0: to After Pulse, the extra podcast from the hosts of Community Pulse. And now here's Mary Thangball, Jason Hand, and PJ Haggerty.
1: Um, So we've just been chatting to Dan about video content and really content overall and kind of figuring out what the right content is for you and how to best distribute that and find your audience and all those things, which I think was a fast (laughs) approach. fascinating conversation
0: the most fascinating part for me was when he was talking about documentation which is you know in his description is kind of just like live streaming i feel like most most of his day maybe not live yeah. streaming but capturing at least mm-hmm. um most of his day just through a uh, you know just a third perspective uh lens that's just constantly rolling and then using that um as content slicing it up and using it as content in various ways throughout You know throughout the day or throughout the week or whatever so right i thought that was um something i had not considered
1: well and um, i think it gives us i mean we've got things like you know instagram stories and facebook stories and and twitter i think you can still live stream on twitter i don't actually know if you can um but all these different options these days right That like i think me in particular i haven't taken advantage of any of that and so it's interesting to me like I'm comfortable being on video and and talking at this point. And I use, you know, the Marco Polo apps to keep in touch with friends and stuff like that. And every once in a while, people are like, you're really comfortable videotaping yourself and talking into a camera. And I was like, "Uh, okay, sure. (laughs) But I don't use any of the Instagram stories or anything like that. And I, it's an interesting concept to think about from the perspective of like, you know, that's a, that's a channel that I can keep people engaged with, what I'm doing personally as well as what I'm doing professionally. And maybe that's a channel that I should be using more. I don't know.
0: Yeah. So two things that come to mind for me on there is one, I use the hell out of Instagram stories. Like I'm always, especially when I'm traveling for work because Mm -hmm. it's the easiest way to communicate back to like my family and friends who I feel like really are the people who follow me on Instagram. I don't, I'm sure that there are some people who are amongst, you know, the community community, uh, as well as some people who may uh, maybe people I've engaged with through through work, through Microsoft, mm-hmm. VictorOps. But for the most part, the people I feel like that follow me or pay attention much on Instagram are people I know, right. um, you know, now I'm hoping as I'm hoping to sort of change that and grow my audience a little bit more, but I have felt very comfortable being just very transparent and open because mm-hmm. of who I know my audience to be, mm-hmm. even though my Instagram account is open and, and anybody can watch it. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, a big part of this is just how comfortable are you um, not only just sharing what's going on in your life, but also how comfortable are you doing the whole, like looking at yourself on video and are you, you know, cause we always see some sort of flaw, you know, with ourselves as we look back and, you know, see ourselves on video and, and, right. but that's, that's, that's a, that's just part of it. You know, you have to like kind of be honest and genuine and vulnerable. Um, and, and I think that's the stuff that seems to be to work well Mm -hmm. Um, for me now it's a matter of how do I blend the two where it's work um, and personal but it's not crossing like it's not it's not getting to a point where I can't see the lines I can't separate work and personal and also when everything's kind of combined into one amorphous thing that just changes depending on the circumstances of where I am and who I'm you know working with or doing stuff with then how do I like Put, how do I push pause just to have like my own like me time you know, and how long is that um gonna be appropriate right. and it's just it's a whole new frontier I guess out there yeah. when it comes to it's not that video is is new, but I think the way that it's being used, especially with the short like stories stuff
1: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. um I don't think we see as much of that like on twitter there's not there's not as many there's nothing that really matches one-to-one the, the Instagram stories right. type of thing, I think right now I know Facebook has the ability to sort of do something similar and it kind of just ports over the Instagram stuff but I don't yeah. think to me anyway I don't think the engagement is as good over on those mm-hmm. as on
1: Instagram.
0: maybe that's again maybe that's just a difference in audience too yeah
1: yeah um, well I think I think you brought up an interesting point right and this is something I was thinking about myself is like okay well if I started Instagram stories, let's say I start Instagram stories today. I don't know when I go out to the park for a walk with Ember afterward, I'm with our call or something. But like, then I'm talking about going on vacation on Friday. So, like, then does that become part of my work? Because I'm sharing Instagram stories about, you know, behind the scenes with the podcast or with DevRel Weekly or with my consulting, but then also it's personal. So then where is that line of like, you know, I sign out of Slack when I go on vacation. I turn off email notifications, like those types of things. Where's that boundary for things like Instagram that are personal, but now we're using those personal connections for sharing what we're doing professionally with folks as well. Like it's an interesting... Interesting line there. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's a complex, uh, it's a complex thing. Trying to be both uh, cognizant of not overdoing it and burning yourself out and just trying to be too on all the time, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, married with or balanced with trying not to like uh, overshare, you know, like it's a dangerous world out there and you know, you shouldn't probably really be telling everybody where you are at every second of the day. Um, And also just like, it's a lot of work, you know, like you're already, your face is already buried in your phone all the time. Like this just makes that 10 X because you're sifting through 20 videos to find 30 seconds of this one thing you remember saying yesterday.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and then another, you know, five minutes trying to find just the right, you know, animated gif that goes with it on <laughs> stories. So it's just a, we it's all a,
1: already spend way too much time doing that on Twitter.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just, a, it's a black, it's a black hole, black rabbit hole.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to touch on real quick, Dan was talking about, um, you know, if we think that we don't have anything meaningful to share, looking back to what do I wish I had 10 years ago or what's a unique perspective I have on things. And this is something I've been thinking about as well. Um, there's a tweet from Angie Jones that I was thinking about and I referenced last week in Endeavor Weekly. Um, but she said, if you've ever considered writing a blog post but didn't because it was already covered by other people, please reconsider. I'm searching for a tutorial on a topic and I've passed on about five of them so far because their style doesn't resonate with how I learn. We need options. And it's an interesting bit mm-hmm. to me, especially as I talk to more and more people about, well, you know, I don't, I don't write blog posts because everyone else is already sharing about that or... I don't want to talk about that topic because who wants to listen to me anyway, right? And so many people, I think, are caught between imposter syndrome, but also genuinely feeling like they can't do it better than what someone else has done, instead of taking instead of being able to take the viewpoint of I have a, new, a unique perspective if for no other reason than I am different than the person who posted the previous blog post or the previous video, or Mm -hmm. I live in a different city or I have a slightly nuanced job description or whatever that thing is. So it's interesting to me that that came up here, right? That like, no, it doesn't have to be a, it doesn't have to be perfect. B, it doesn't have to be the epitome of, you know, that here's the number one blog post that everybody goes to or the number one video that everyone references, but also remembering, you know, just, talking about something that you wish you knew when you were starting your career can be hugely beneficial to others in the industry.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and actually this just kind of reminded me um, of, so first of all, I just watched the Brene Brown special on Netflix mm-hmm. and I think I cried for like pretty much all of that. <laughs> um, it's so good. So anybody, I should have added that to my checkouts. Like it's such a, such a good like thing to watch, especially, um, especially for I think people who suffer from imposter syndrome and just ha- just struggle to like find the, um, uh, what she says, she says, you know, be, be bold, be brave, all these types of things, but the people that just struggle to find their voice and like be what they actually want to be and say what they right. want to say and that kind of stuff. Anyway, but I was reading, uh, I think it's dare to lead. Um, mm-hmm. I was reading that on the flight over from Paris over that uh, Friday. And, um, there's a section in there that marries up with exactly with what you were just saying. Mm. Um, so I, I feel like it's a thing that, um, yeah, I don't know, that we have to put some more focus on. Yeah. Uh, I just had another thought that it's escaping me, so I don't want to want to let it go here. Uh, it's gone. Sorry.
1: No worries. We can put it in the show notes if you remember it later.
0: <laughs> yeah. It was something about what Brene Brown said in that uh, in that book, Dare to Lead. Have you read that?
1: I haven't, but it's on my list. So. No.
0: I have Not to go to back. It in there. It's probably just like right at the same, like a couple pages back from where I just was. So anyway, right, I'll go great. find we can add it in the show notes, but cool. I feel like um, there was a lot of good, like good ideas in terms of, <clears throat> especially for consultants. Like if you, if you're able to sort of create this framework of knowledge where, you know, you and I have an interview and I give you, the okay to go, go ahead and record this conversation because maybe something uh that said in this conversation is going to be helpful for others it's almost the exact same reason where every devops days we just had devops days rockies a couple weeks ago and both at the beginning of that and pretty much any time i give a talk i always encourage the audience to you know share feel free to share everything that you hear and see today whether that's on twitter if you want to put it on twitter right now if you want to take pictures if you want to put it into a blog post later like go for it because I, I think that um, just the idea of being transparent and, and open and trying to like radiate knowledge in general helps everybody rather than us trying to like hoard information. It's kind of counter if you think about consultant like work. A lot of times like, hey that's my specialty, like that's what you pay $150 an hour to come sit with me in my, you know, in my office to talk about. I don't want to just put this out here for everybody because I'm losing out, but right. I think we're finding that that's actually c- quite counter. Like there's mm-hmm. still value as a consultant that you'll, that you'll have with that interaction. Yeah. yeah. But a lot of common questions should just be common answers or yeah. there should be common answers for them.
1: Right. And I think that's a big thing that I've at least been trying to do with my work is, you know, part of my mission of Perseo Consulting is driving the industry forward. And you, it's difficult to drive the industry forward if all of my interactions are one-on-one interactions and there's nothing that's public about them, right? And so learning to, you know, take the, the conversation that I had with a recent client during an on-site and saying, you know what, there's something there. Let me put it into a blog post. Or let me talk about it in DevRel Weekly, or let me reference it somewhere else and kind of test it out in a few other cases and maybe, I don't know, create a video, speaking of which, (laughs) and put it up on the website for, for more people to benefit from. And I think the more that we can get to a point where we're sharing things publicly instead of holding on to the knowledge that we have, the more we'll be able to push all of our industries forward and help other people and be more beneficial to our communities above all.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like it's happening. Of course, you and I are, are a little bit more closer to the, you know, the the people who are pushing those limits or, or, right. or make, you know, demanding those expectations from their businesses and their companies. Part of the DevOps movement has been transparency and, you know, no more um, superhero culture. You know, we don't want these like individual contributors who just know so much that that they view themselves as that's their core value. It's yeah. like Maintaining and hoarding that information, right? Um, we've we found that that's that's actually not true, and also very dangerous to yeah. like encourage that kind of behavior. So it's really comforting to like see that within our little DevOps community and um, slash IT ops and web ops space, yeah. but it's also starting to, I think, you know, become a thing in a lot more in a lot of other places too, which is very yeah. promising.
1: Definitely. Well, and it's interesting because there's um, a talk that I've given a couple times, and I'm actually, we just accepted to give it at Abstractions um, in August, but Rain Leander and myself and um, Rich from Red Hat as well, we've all, we, the three of us gave this talk originally in Edinburgh for Open Source Summit Europe um, last year. But this idea of documenting your work as you go along and instead of, you know, when I, when I joined Red Hat as a contractor last year to, to take over when Rain was on a maternity leave, there was this 30 page document that I had to go through to figure out, here's what Rich has been doing. Here's what he was handing over to Rain. Here's how all of this stuff works. And instead of just documenting once you're at the end of a job, documenting as you go along. And I think there's a lot of people who are worried about, you know, well, I'm going to work myself out of a job or other people are going to be able to do my work or I won't be the specialist in that thing anymore. Instead of realizing like, no, the more that you document your work for whether it's community, whether it's ops, whether you're a developer, whether whatever your field is, the more that you're documenting your work, the more that you can delegate the more people understand just how much work you're actually doing, the more people understand the value that you're bringing to the table because they see everything that you've been involved in and everything that you've touched along the way. And also, because you're delegating and moving things onto other people's plates, you're able to take on the work that's actually the most exciting to you instead of having to continue doing the things that, well, it's been on my plate because I'm the only one who knows how to do it. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's that value in documentation, whether that's video tutorials, whether that's writing things down, whether that's, you know, whatever your manner is that you're sharing it internally. But I think documenting that content is, is key.
0: Yeah, I think too, it's, it's um, you know, it's obviously, there's some effort that goes into making that documentation happen, you know, whether that's recording just audio, recording video or whatever the case may be. There's that effort of just recording it, but then you also got to turn around and put it out there somewhere. And it's not always just a matter of just like taking the file just as it was recorded and then dropping it onto some publicly accessible website. Like sometimes there's some post pop or some you know processing that you want to do to it. Um, but there's effort, I guess, is the main thing that that you have to consider when putting that stuff out. And so uh, maybe not everybody will, will understand that, but I think a lot of people do understand that there is some effort that goes into people producing these, mm-hmm. these things. And I appreciate that. Like as a, as a consumer of that, that information, I know that you put in some effort into that. And so I appreciate it. Definitely. Um, so there's the altruistic side of it. I think that you're, you're creating this relationship with anybody who engages with the content is like, Oh, these, this person, these people, this company, like I now have a different, feeling about them because they went through the extra effort of doing that and yeah. for no other reason than to be helpful um with maybe there's also an underlying like um um agenda in terms of well we just we're kind of like building thought leadership you know in terms of i'm going to put this out there as here's how you do this and so that sort of positions you as a little bit of, of a you know whether you don't like your term thought leader at least makes you an expert to some degree yeah. mm-hmm. um, and so there's, there's a lot of different reasons why I think it you know pays off to do those things. Even if you are sharing what seems to be like the, you know, the family recipe, I think that right. that's, there's still always going to be minor tweaks, why people will still come to you for changes. And I, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of the reasons why we harp on, you know, how bad it is sometimes to, to really buy into the idea of best practices, because it's just, it just, it varies. You know, there's so many diverse paprikas out there, so I can't give you this one recipe that's going to solve it, you know, there's, so you know, where I'm going with this Mm -hmm. there's a lot of ways that you can do it. Um, but you gotta gotta do it in a way that makes sense for your mission, what you're trying to accomplish.
1: Yeah. And that connects with your audience where they already are. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well,
0: this was a really fun episode. So I'm, uh, I'm sad that uh, PJ wasn't able to join us.
1: Yeah. But he's enjoying his time in Toronto at collision comp. So We'll have him back here next time, hopefully. And I think that's it for this After Pulse.
0: Cool. Well, um, thanks for joining us. My name is Jason Hand. You can follow me at Jason Hand on Twitter.
1: And I'm Mary Thingval. You can find me at Mary underscore Grace on Twitter.
0: This has been another episode of After Pulse with Mary Thingwall. at Mary underscore Grace on Twitter. Jason Hand. At Jason Hand on Twitter and PJ Haggerty at Asplenic on Twitter. Learn more at communitypulse.io or at community underscore pulse on Twitter. We'll see you next time.